Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right, friends, welcome back to the Boiling Point Podcast. Uh, I'm very excited today to be speaking to our guests, as I'm always excited to speak to our guests. But in this particular instance, it's yet another opportunity to speak to uh, incredible B Corps doing really amazing, tasty things. Uh, and there's no secret, I do enjoy um, a, a small beverage from time to time, and especially rum. Uh, I spent a, a fair bit of time in uh, living in the Caribbean and had the, the, the great joy of sampling many different types of rub uh, over the years uh, during my time down there. And today we have a distiller um, from, okay, Montagna is the name of the distillery, but uh, I'm just going to bring you in, Karen. This, this is Karen Hoskin, uh, the founder of the distillery. What town are you in? What, what mountain town are you in right now? I am in Crested Butte, Colorado, which is about four hours uh, southwest from Denver in the Rocky Mountains up at 9,000 feet. It's a ski town, beautiful place. Um, I could I could show you the mountains right outside my window, but we, I might blind you in the process. But you know what? Last time I, uh, well, actually the only time you and I have met digitally, you were doing a workshop, a virtual workshop, and uh, you did show us the mountains. So I have seen the mountains through that, that, those beautiful windows back there. And uh, Crested Butte, that sounds like an amazing place. The, the, that whole region up there is so great. Right before we press record, um, I was talking about my ski hill, and it's a hill. It's a ski hill. And it takes me an hour to get there. And uh, But you know what? At least we've got a ski hill, right? And uh and uh, my last time out into the into the Rockies in deep, deep powder, uh, you know, taking the helicopter up and do it. I was like, you know, I still have my little ski hill back home, <laughs> but you're uh, living in the middle of it. <laughs> back east, so I, you know, I cut my teeth on a lot of those tiny little ski hills with like the the lights on them that we would go to at night when we were teenagers, and yeah, I love it all. A hundred percent. So let's, let's talk about the rum. First of all, tell us about the company, but I'd love to hear your journey on, on getting to uh, where you guys are now. Well, um, you know, the, so my company is about almost 13 years old now. So I've been making rum um, since 2008. Um, We moved the company to Crested Butte in 2011 from Silverton, Colorado, which is another crazy Uh, high altitude ski town. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I've been a rum fanatic for pretty much 30 plus years. So I had my first sip of aged rum in 1989. And it was really memorable. It was just one of those moments when I thought, wow, this is like, this is what I want to drink. I was not a good drinker. I I never really drank very much, even at that age. And I just, you know, really loved the flavor. And that led to a lifetime since then of tasting different rums, traveling to different places, kind of like you have to enjoy rum. And um, and then in, t- in 2008, I was ready for a career change. I had been in private practice, graphic and web and brand building design work um, 
with my own company for 12 years at that point. And I was just ready to like keep something. I, I gave all my projects away to really cool entrepreneurs and business owners. And I wanted to keep something at the end of the day. So um, I started Montagna and it's been just quite a journey. We're now, um, you know, we've had two rounds of venture capital and seven figures and, you know, we've come a long way um, since our very humble beginnings in an 800 square foot building in the mountains um, that was an old brothel and, you know, we had dirt floors in our fermentation room and we'd climb over our aging barrels to get to our bottling line and it was crazy, but we're a lot more kind of legit now <laughs> is that, but started, that is the startup story isn't it yeah i started it really just with you know cash out of the savings account it wasn't like big investment a lot of my colleagues now start with like 10 million dollars to kind of get up and running and it was a bootstrapped operation from day one well it's very similar to the the the, the craft beer renaissance i mean so many of these crafters are, are basement cross crafters and then they they get to a certain amount of capacity and then they have to find a little, you know, dingy little warehouse that they clean out and it just grows like that. And it's, uh, um, you know, that story very, very well. <laughs> you know, and I was very inspired throughout my whole uh, last part of my career by Kim Jordan, who started, um, you know, one of our most beautiful B Corps, of course, new Belgium brewing company. Yeah. And she, um, you know, she started it in her basement when she was like nursing a newborn baby and pouring tastes at the Great American Beer Festival and, you know, getting turned down by banks and financing and investment companies. And I just could really relate. She's now got a quarter billion dollar company. So I'm not not at all there yet, but I'm really proud of what she accomplished and how she changed the paradigm of beer to be more sustainable and considerate. Um Let's talk a little bit about um, women leading in uh, in the alcohol space. Um, I'm seeing in my town uh, the first craft brewer that's been rocking this for 20 years in my town uh, is this incredible woman named Wendy, and uh, um, and she was like the only one for so many years. But now we've got others popping up too, which is really cool. It's mostly a, I would say. 85% are, are run by men, but I just love the stories, especially in the B Corp world. We're just really trying to uh, explore and celebrate so many strong women leaders uh, in spaces that are traditionally more, uh, more run by men. But the, want to talk about that a little bit and maybe even some of the, the barriers that maybe you've been able to get over. Uh, yeah. Very curious. Yeah. I, you know, I started this company kind of, like if I could go back and look at what I didn't know then, uh, I would probably just smack myself upside the head, you know, like what were you thinking? Because I was trying to break too many established paradigms kind of at once. The big one being that it, 13 years ago, you can imagine if I walked into a room, say at the American Distilling Institute conference, it was me and, you know, 800 men and they didn't take me seriously. They thought I was someone's wife who wanted to just come along and couldn't let him, you know, my husband do his work or whatever. Um, and often they thought that I wasn't, couldn't really possibly be a legitimate customer in the ven vending hall. So if I'd go to look for a pump or a, you know, just whatever, it was just always something. And actually just this week I've had 
you know, dealt with gender bias in my workplace, trying to book an, elect an electrician and, you know, getting a lot of flack that I didn't know what I was talking about, what I needed with three phase power and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, when you're ready to work with me as a long established business owner, why don't you come back? And I would be glad to consider that, but no, not accepting this. That's very, that's very gracious of you, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I've learned that it doesn't really help for me to lose my temper. It's not helping the paradigms shift. Um, but you know, and so in addition to being really one of the only women in the U.S. back then, um, it was also, you know, there was a lot going on with just doing rum in the U.S. So rum in the U.S. in the mountains was unheard of, even though there's a long-established tradition of rum in the mountains. Um, in Central and South America. And, um, you know, there wasn't a craft cocktail boom like there is now. So right. when I opened my craft cocktail bar that was all rum, you can imagine it was people were just like, what? Um, and it was in the, you know, it was at 9,000 feet and it, we'd be shoulder to shoulder packed into this bar um, drinking rum cocktails. It was something nobody had seen before. <laughs> um, so there were many barriers. Um, rum was not really even yet a thing. Um, people were not talking about really good craft rum and how exceptional rum could be and the aging programs and the esters and you know all the things that we talk about now in the rum world, people were not talking about um, 13 years ago. So I had a lot of barriers to break down, um, but at the same time, it also gave me lots of ways in which to distinguish the company. Um, yeah. Because you're in a way you're first in, and for so many first ins, um, you know that's that's a really privileged place to be. You know, because if you fought your way through those initial barriers, and now you've become the established, like uh, you become the mentor to so many others. You know, and uh, uh, I think people appreciate that. Even in, even in your competitive space, they there's a certain sort of uh, honor to the those uh, pioneers, if you will, in the space, which which you clearly were. It's been one of my greatest joys actually in the work is to be able to, I just was on a call yesterday with two, you know, relatively new um, craft distillers in the Bay area who um, have a beautiful startup and, you know, they were trying to grow a little bit and they were feeling frustration with growth and it's two, you know, they're probably 25 year old women. And it was just, it's just such a joy to be able to, give them an opportunity to express their worries and anxieties and concerns without judgment and just be mm. like, I know what, I know what you're talking about. I remember those moments of like, do I have enough money? If I do have enough money, how do I spend it in the most efficient way to get the best bang for my buck so that I can, you know, be still alive and in five years. Cause you can easily put yourself out of business if you do too much too quick. Oh my gosh, hundred uh, percent. I know that we've uh, we've got a film company. That's uh, that's my business. I'm not a full time podcaster by any means, and uh, um, you know we we've got a, a, a you know a founding story in the basement of my first house that I bought, and I, I bought it at a very incredibly cheap uh, amount, and uh, all my guys uh, that were working with me, we all just lived together as as friends, and we we're cutting TV shows in the basement, and then. Uh, <clears throat> the founding story of the name is my house was where we were and it was the Hemmings house. So uh, a lot of that core story of our first gritty old startup days, you know, bootstrap days are 
today we're a whole different company but there's that spirit is still there and uh, i'm wondering if if that's similar to to is any of your founding story like even being in an old brothel for example like uh, how much storytelling is involved uh in in growing your your brand that are just the authentic story like your your own story you know how, how much do you guys uh, push on that side well there's no question that you know a lot of the story has um emanated from me and uh, you know yes we talk a lot about rum yes we talk a lot about colorado rum and american rum and aged premium rum and things like that but you know we also talk a lot about um founding this company in the environment that we did we were i, I think like the fifth craft distiller in colorado and there are now something like 107 um, wow. so you know you couldn't necessarily show up at a tasting event and with a bunch of other distillers from colorado like we can now because um we're you know there were only five of us <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't necessarily all show up so yeah, I mean, I think the storytelling has been such a key part and it's so visual, you know, like we're in such a beautiful place and water is such an important piece of our story and our relationship with our farmers is an important piece of our story. So we work really hard to tell the story of the company. And, and you know, I mean, I know everybody does that. Um, but back in the day, I just remember, um, you know, we were we would just get these guffaws and looks of like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> over and over and over. So, you know, we did a brand building exercise. This will make you chuckle. We did a brand building exercise in like year three yeah. with a professional, um, you know, he was like a person who helps companies to kind of identify their, their brand and cultivate. He was amazing. And, you know, at the end of it, he he looked at us and he was like, I just, Tell me if I'm wrong, but the the vibe that I get from your whole company is sexy librarian. <laughs> like, Love it. Okay. you know, <laughs> might be right because we go, we would go out to these events, and it would be my crew. And my first uh, hire was this woman who was a head distiller and helped me run the bar. Um, well, she wasn't head distiller then, but she, um, you know, helped run the bar and distill and bottle, and she did everything and you know, she had these great little glasses and we'd go do tasting events and people would just be like, who are they? Because 13 years ago, that was not, you were seeing the Jaeger girls, you know, and they're like bustiers and their hip boots walking around tasting events. If it was like, you know, mass market stuff. So from right. the first day, we just looked like such a different operation from everything around us. The, the purple cow effect. <laughs> Talking Williams College or what? Uh, so no, Seth Godin. So Seth oh. Godin's uh, whole thing about uh, you know really celebrating being the unique, you know, the the, the purple cow that's uh, you know that's completely odd in the space, but there's brilliance and, and joy in that, you know, and uh, sure. celebrate well, it. <laughs> I, I went to Williams College, which is in Massachusetts, and our um, you know the the. The whole team, all our sports teams were the purple cows. Okay. Was- oh, so you thought I did a lot of background research and I was like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I was confused for a second. There. I was like, yes, I, I know about the purple cows. <laughs> um, you should read the book though. If you ever have a chance, um, uh, 
Dave and I are Seth Gunn nerds. Uh, he just has such a good way of talking about storytelling and marketing and uh, and all that sort of thing. We've had him on the show a couple of times as well. He's a, a pretty amazing, amazing guy. Now tell me about, okay, so you and I, I think we determined it was a B Corp event that we met. You guys are a B Corp. Yes. Um, and how has that helped you in, in building the business, whether it's for attracting awesome talent or keeping, you know, keeping yourself, uh, you know, in line to goals or, you know, what, 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 we're always trying to promote, uh, promote the B Corp movement and uh, I'm really excited to hear other founders about what they're, what yeah. they see in it. Yeah. Well, it was an interesting journey for us because I, you know, people would always say to me, you're a B Corp, you're at, you are a B Corp, like, are you certified? And I was like, no, this was, you know, five, eight years ago. And um, so I had to do a lot of thinking about like, what is it that they're feeding back? And it was basically that everything we were talking about, about sustainability, our environmental practices as a company, our social responsibility efforts, everything was resonant for people who were familiar with the B Corp, uh, which I was not yet at eight years ago, uh, seven years ago. And so, um, yeah, we, we did some self-assessment and realized that it would be crazy not to go through that because I'm a skeptic, you know, like I'm one of those people who I don't want to hear you tell me you have a sustainability plan. I want to know that I want to know specifics and I want to usually know that there's like some third party that has assessed what you've said. And that really came from um, me, you know, visiting other craft distilleries or often I would be like invited to speak on a panel at a conference with other sustainable companies. And it became clear really early that my approach to sustainability was radically different. Um, I wasn't just thinking about where my wastewater was going or how I was handling my, my solid waste. I was thinking about glass and paper and, you know, running a bar and restaurant and compost and um, banking. And then we were, you know, usually involved with some, like most recently, like BLM or, you know, we were always involved in some justice aspect of the work and, you know, and I'd go to the speak at these events and people would be like, oh God, I never thought about, you know, all of my events and the plastic cups that I contribute or, you know, all of my paper goods that I'm sending out shelf talkers and, you know, neck tags and all the things that go on in the alcohol beverage world. I never thought about that. They also, we also needed to consider that. So, um, so when we certified, uh, it wasn't a big surprise to me that we certified in at the top 10% of the B Corp. Awesome. So, so you're best, best for the world right from the get-go. Best for the world, first year and all overall. So not just in one category, we were best for the world overall. Um, and and that, was a, that was validation for me. So um, now what I tell people when they ask me about, you know, why did you, like, what's the best thing about being a B Corp? I was like, oh my gosh, did you know about the, the, the door you open when you get certified and you walk into that back room of the B Corp and you're like, whoa, these companies are my people and they're thinking the way I think and they're pushing the way I think. And like, I went to the first B Corp conference in, um, the first one I went to was in 2019 in LA in June or July or something like that. And I literally like, walked around choked up for days because I was like, 
My people. These people are speaking my language. And I had <laughs> felt for years like I was speaking some foreign language to most people. Um, and they were like, you know, oh yeah, right, whatever, you're doing whatever. And these people were like, oh, well, have you thought of this? And and here's a company that's doing amazing, innovative things with packaging or, you know, and, and all of a sudden I just felt like I had stepped through the wardrobe um, and into like B Corp Narnia. And- yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that has been one of the greatest joys. So like my HR person is part of B people and my um, marketing PR person is part of their, the PR group. And, you know, everybody, all of us are getting really beautiful input and doing a lot of interesting thinking, pushing our own um, ways of thinking every day as a result. So I, I can't even that is awesome. the joy that brings me. Did you um, did you go to the event uh, where we screened all the films at uh, that incredible? Uh... That, yes, yeah, I, I was a host of that of that evening. Oh my god, I was totally there, and that building was amazing. wasn't that great. And the yeah. food was amazing, and the films and uh, the sound bath. It was just it was such a great night. So uh, yeah. that was our contribution uh, working with B Lab to help uh, put that event together. And I thought it was, it was so special just seeing everybody come together just in a chill way. And, and that's what it's all about. It's just like getting to know these other people who kind of believe how to do business, you know, together in, in a, it's not even a different way anymore. It's the way to do business. And when you get to connect with other people in that, you know, in a community like the B Corp uh, movement provides, it's pretty special for sure. Well, and I've really, you know, over the last five years or so I shop that way. So if I want to buy something, I don't go straight to Amazon or go, you know, down to my local shop. I go to the B Corp directory and I search, you know, socks or um, whatever it is I'm looking for and find a company that is a B Corp. And then that's who I order from because I don't believe in support. You know, <clears throat> I'm so dedicated to supporting everybody that I can. Mm. Um, so it becomes a, a, a way of life, I guess. Oh, hundred percent. Us too. Well, it's uh, Karen, it's such a, a pleasure to chat with you and I hope we can do this again. And I, I did pour myself a rum. Um, oh. I got to get your rum in Atlanta, Canada though. That's, that's what we, we, we need. To, so what do we do? Do we, do we lobby our, uh, our liquor commission to, to bring it in or what's, what's the best way to get, to get to Montana? Canada is a challenge. You can get it on the West Coast in BC, but um, it's a challenge because it's a government-controlled alcohol beverage distribution system, and you either are in or you're out. And if you're in, sometimes you they want way too much product, and it just sits on the shelf until people start to understand the brand. And so I've really held back on Canada a lot, um, but. We, just, we, we can always bootleg. We can always bootleg. Yeah. I do come from the East Coast, the Maritimes, rich history and bootleg and rum up from Jamaica. So uh, maybe that's my, my next B Corp is uh, you bootlegging your rum back over to here. <laughs> that is the prohibition way, right? It came, <laughs> came from the Caribbean into Canada on the boats and then got distributed from there. So <laughs> Exactly. Well, Karen, what a, what a treat. What's the best way for our listeners to uh, learn more? Uh, and get in touch with you if uh, if need be. Montanyarum.com. So it has a Y, M-O-N-T-A-N-Y-A, rum.com. And then karenhoskin.com. 
So fantastic. Yeah. Well, Karen, thank you so much and say hi to Jenny for me. And uh, thank you for helping us make this, uh, this conversation happen. And we will see you at the next champions retreat because we're all hoping and praying that uh, COVID is going to get behind us soon. And we can all gather together again and drink your rum in person. And we, and if I can sponsor anything with a film element, you just let me know. (laughs) Fantastic. Awesome. Karen, we'll be in touch for, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember... Keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.